The Bengals landed their safety in Nick Scott, and we'll take a look at the updated picture of the Cincinnati Bengals cap, plus what's next for them in free agency. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to our podcast on YouTube. You can follow it anywhere you get your podcast and get notified when we upload our content, so you can join that first listen club. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. You can download the game in the App Store or, or at ultimate-gm.com and get a 100% free boost to your franchise using promo code Locked on in all caps in the game. And James, over the weekend, the Bengals landed their safety. They talked to both Nick Scott and Taylor Rapp, former safeties, current free agent for Taylor Rapp of the Los Angeles Rams. And they signed one. Nick Scott deal came to fruition after a little bit of hand-wringing. I was checking out at the grocery store this time, James. Wasn't home. Uh, to keep Not at that a date. Going. Yeah. Nope. Next one of those will be Tuesday night. So, you know, we'll oh. see. Oh, but an update, an update. That, and that's all you're going to get. But the Bengals find their safety three years, $12 million for Nick Scott. So an average of about $4 million of exactly $4 million per year. First year cap hit once again, minimize a, a near league minimum salary for Nick Scott in the first year to go with a $3 million signing bonus. So he will take home, North of around four and a half million dollars is, is what his take home will be for year one. The cap hit will be around two point five million dollars, I believe, give or take. And so we can talk a little bit about the salary cap later. But this does continue the trend. The reason I'm pointing this out of the Bengals pushing cap hits into future years this offseason as they continue to mitigate and reduce the cap hits for 2023. Good. Leave as much room and we'll get to the cap hit part of it. Later is much room for as many players that we can talk about in this episode and other episodes and hopefully bonus episodes after Jake's update uh, or maybe another grocery store run. That said, I like the signing and I don't know about you, what your initial thought was. I know there was some Chauncey Gardner Johnson love, some movement on social media. I don't really think they were swimming in those waters at safety. And just the more I learn about Scott, whether it's as I've, it's his athleticism. It feels like he's an ascending player on a second contract. He just sort of fits the bill of how the Bengals have gotten it right, how they got it right with Von Bell, how they got it right with all of these free agents. Second contract, ascending player coming from a winning team. I get it. The Rams didn't win last year. Um, I don't need to tell you about their history of winning prior to last year. I just, I think that, uh, that this was a, a good get, get by the Bengals. And yeah, they got cheaper at safety. They were going to have to because the wide receiver room, that's going to get more expensive. The quarterback room is getting a hell of a lot more expensive in the near future. And so when you're spending that money, it, you're, going to, you're going to have to cut the expenses a bit in other areas. And so getting cheaper at safety, that was something they were going to do. It stinks losing Von Bell, but I like Nick Scott and I'm excited to see him in stripes. Yeah, I, I like the Nick Scott signing well enough. I do think it represents a clear 
downgrade generally in terms of the safety position. I think that that's something that you kind of expected with Jesse Bates' departure, but we'll see with Dax Hill, right? Maybe Dax Hill steps in and they don't miss a beat. Maybe Nick Scott steps in, steps up, has a career year, takes that ascending path that you're talking about, James, and continues to play at a high level coming off his first year starting for the Rams and he turns into a payday. I I like that they add athleticism at the safety position, right? They get more athletic at that spot, at least in terms of athletic testing numbers from the combine. And we can show those on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, the current projected safeties for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2023 are Dax Hill and Nick Scott. Those guys have a relative athletic score, respectively, of 9.03 for Dax Hill. That means he's a 90th percentile athlete and 9.21 for Nick Scott, which makes him a 92nd percentile athlete. Both of those guys testing really well going back to the combine. So one of the big things to like about this is that they're much more athletic at the safety position. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see these, but the 40 yard dash for both guys, four, three, eight, four, four, five, respectively for Hill and Scott and pretty good jumps for Nick Scott, really good agility for Dax Hill, adequate agility testing for Nick Scott. But then you go and you compare it to what they had in Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And I don't think anyone would say that Jesse Bates was a poor athlete or anything like that, but he didn't test as well as either of these guys. He was a 73rd percentile athlete, ran that four, five, 40, Really good three cone, but everything else was, you know, above average for for Jesse Bates. Von Bell never thought of as a great athlete, was was a slightly below average athlete by RAS, a 47th percentile athlete or so when you look at his 40-yard dash, his vertical, his height, weight, and his bench. So you get younger by virtue of Dax Hill stepping in and starting. Nick Scott just just about a, a half year younger than Von Bell. You get more athletic at the position. That's something that you've really got to like. You've got a couple of guys who could be very versatile. Nick Scott projects to be pretty versatile. I've seen a lot of people talking about him, though, James, as the direct Von Bell replacement. And I think we need to wait and see there. He's a guy that you could project to play more in the box than he did for the Rams. But if you look at what he did for the Rams in the game, certainly that I watched, with Nick Scott was he was playing high safety the entire game. Now, given this is against the chiefs where teams are tending to prioritize the pass and maybe you're not going to get as variable with those safeties. But the other thing that stood out to me with Nick Scott is that he has one career blitzing snap, according to PFF and the Bengals blitz their safeties last year, Von Bell had 38 pass rushing reps. Jesse Bates had 18 pass rushing reps. So that's something that I'll have to get used to. I think, you know, even looking at the, the split, for inbox versus playing high pre-snap, he probably will need to get used to playing in the box a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see how Lou Anarumo plans to use his skill set. And really good coming off the roof as a run defender, as, as Mike Santagata will tell you when we talk to him about Nick Scott. Uh, good speed, good good closing speed, good speed in the secondary, good sideline to sideline range. Um I saw a little bit of issue with him changing direction, looked a little bit stiff. He is a safety after all, but it'll be interesting to see how these guys are used, right? Dax Hill, we know, is an ultimate Swiss Army knife in the secondary. And so how does Nick Scott fit into that? That's the the puzzle that Lou Anarimo gets to put together as these guys get into the offseason program and into training camp. And that's the beauty of keeping Lou Anarimo. I don't want to hear about... Oh, Luan Arumo was all in on Dax. He was their highest paid or highest player on their board last year. He loved the pick. He's really excited about it. 
right? So there's one of Lou's guys. The other one is Nick Scott. And if you had lost Lou Anarumo and then you lose Jesse Bates and Von Bell and you have a new defensive coordinator, I'm much more concerned. This Bengals it's probably defense, not Nick Scott. It's probably somebody else. It, sure. But the Bengals defense is outside of Eli Apple. The front seven is intact now. They kept Jermaine Pratt. So we're talking about a first rounder starting alongside a guy who, again, appears to be an ascending player. I just, I don't think it's going to be this, and it, there's going to be a drop off for sure. You're talking about a top safety in the game in Jesse Bates and a veteran that's played in a ton of huge games, had four picks last year, was a huge leader in the locker room, Von Bell. Anytime you lose those guys, it, there's going to be a drop. But I think Lou looks at this and I, I, I'm curious to see how the defense changes. Does he not blitz the safeties as much? Does Dax become the guy that blitzes more and, and is clear-cut? Is, is he using both guys deep 50-50? You didn't want Von Bell deep. That was not something that he thrived in. You didn't want him one-on-one with tight ends during that Super Bowl run. No one felt good about that. I, I wonder how, they, how, how he uses these two guys. I think they're more athletic they're um and I've I've seen some too say, oh well, they should still go get Taylor Rapp or that's hogwash. You you need to start Dax Hill. I think he's ready to go. Didn't play last year. I don't want to hear about special team snaps. Didn't play last year. It's time to get him on the field and, and let him show what he can do. He was drafted for a reason. So I'm excited to see this group. And yeah, Bates, Bell, they were a heck of a duo at the same time. I think they're going to be just fine at safety. That's my vibe. I'm not panicking at a, at a Dax Hill and, um, you know, Nick Scott, one, two, and Tyson Anderson, by the way, we didn't pull up his stats, but he's a, a 90, what, fourth percentile athlete. So he's another freakish athlete that's going to play this year as well. Really athletic. The only way that they're signing another safety guys is if Dax Hill is making a full-time conversion to corner. And, and they're going to really use him as a very versatile piece. They're going to put him in the slot when you have Mike Hilton. They're going to put him on tight ends. Uh, and they want a, a really high-end third safety. I don't think that that's necessarily coming for Dax Hill. If they do sign another safety, then, then we can start to speculate about a position change uh, for Dax Hill. But you think about what you just talked about, James, in terms of how they use Von Bell in spots where you know they would use Trey Flowers before. Well, maybe now it's Dax Hill who's manning up tight ends, and, and that's where Nick Scott is your deep safety, right? And so that way you have that fit. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the scheme fit, some of the film takeaways for these guys when we talk to Bengal Sands at some point here. In the near future, we're going to talk about Orlando Brown, of course, and Nick Scott and whoever else the Bengals signed because we are still expecting some activity. We'll take a look at the Bengals' current cap picture and what they still have left to do in free agency as we continue this show coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We've talked about this mobile game app for quite some time. If you've ever dreamt about being an NFL GM, well, you need to get Ultimate Football GM. And whether it's hiring and firing coaches, whether it's navigating the finances of the safety room or free agency, the draft, you can do all of those things with Ultimate Football GM in a realistic environment, a challenging game world ultimate football gm is completely free and playable offline so you can play as you go regardless of service even if you're taking a flight to i don't know canada to uh, to visit jake lisco and maybe 
hang out with him before his date on Tuesday. Locked on Bengals listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in all capitals in the game store. That's promo code locked on in all caps. So make sure you check it out today or you could go to ultimate-gm.com. Again, ultimate-gm.com or the app store, Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's talk about cap space, shall we? We don't have full cap figures for Cody Ford's contract. That is still totally unreported. I can't imagine it's much more than a veteran minimum deal, so the cap impact should be pretty minimal there. We're talking maybe $300,000 due to offsets in the way that cap accounting works. But currently, you go to overthecap.com, it'll tell you that the Bengals have $17.5 million of cap space. Current cap space figures tend to lie, James, which is why I'm very critical of the way that they tend to be reported. They don't represent the moves that teams are likely to make, such as the Chiefs restructuring part of Patrick Mahomes' deal, such as the Chiefs releasing Frank Clark, such as the Bengals, expected to do something with that Joe Mixon contract, potentially do something with Jonah Williams, potentially do something with Brandon Wilson, who, by the way, is still on the books for $2 million in 2023. And it's kind of hard to see the roster spot for Brandon Williams and them carrying that $2 million cap hit all the way to Brandon Wilson, sorry, and carrying that cap hit all the way to camp if they choose to use it somewhere else. So you you have to subtract from that 17 point, whatever I said, 17 and a half million, a couple, a couple hundred thousand dollars, which, which will end up being close to $1.8 million to include 53 players because the Bengals don't care about top 51 rules. So the, the practical cap space is really 15.8 million. Then you have to subtract another about five and a half million for rookies and for the practice squad. Yes, the practice squad has cap hits. And that leaves them at about $10 million or so. Subtract another couple hundred thousand for the likely Cody Ford cap hit. That leaves them just south of $10 million in actual cap space practical cap space at this point in the offseason. That number could become $16.8 million if they choose to cut Joe Mixon. Could get even bigger. Could get all the way up to about $30 million, $29.5 million if they do find a trade partner for Jonah Williams. Of course, you only do those things if you have plans for that money, whether that's extensions, whether that's external free agents, which we will talk about, tight end, corner, running back. But that's the current Bengals cap situation and some of the things they can do if they choose to increase their cap space without doing any of the restructure stuff. That doesn't even get into restructures, of course. You know, I think I mentioned they they could get another $16 million or so if they did choose to max restructure all the guys that they would potentially restructure, but that's not in their blood. So practically speaking, $9.5 million of 2023 cap space with the potential with the Joe Mixon cut or Jonah Williams, Jonah Williams trade to, to get to even bigger numbers. Mixon, we were messaging this morning, and it cannot happen. I don't care if every free agent running back decides to go play in the NBA. I don't care if this loaded running back class decides they're all going to join the XFL on max contracts, which they don't have in the XFL, by the way. At least I don't think so. Max deals. I, it, I do not care. You cannot bring back Joe Mixon at $12.7 million at a $12.7 million cap it. And so hopefully that one happens. And whether that's re- renegotiation, pay cut, 
whatever it is. This isn't an anti-Joe Mixon thing where I, I'm just thinking he's a horrible player. I don't think that. I think he's a good player that's just not worth anywhere close to what the cap hit is that he's bringing. And so that's one. The Jonah Williams thing is really interesting. I think the Bengals, they're like, yeah, he's playing right tackle. I still feel that way. Now, Ian Rappaport reported on Friday that a deal could happen soon. It just doesn't – if if I think a, th- a third-rounder is okay for it, the Bengals are probably thinking a two. Like, they always have high value on their guys, especially if they're penciling him in and kind of mm-hmm. sharpying him in, I think, in their head with what they're paying him, $12.6 million, as their starting right tackle. I, I just – I think that's – the more and more I think about it, I just don't know if a team is going to come calling and give them the capital that they would want. Maybe. Maybe it happens. But the Joe Mixon's one they can control. And I wouldn't give Joe no away either. Joe Mixon, if you're not willing to take a pay cut, I, I would certainly move on. Because there are a lot of guys, even still, as weird as this free agent market is, I think there are a lot of guys that can give you 80% of what Mixon can for 20% of the cap hit. Maybe even less. Mm-hmm. of a cap hit which would obviously give you flexibility to explore tight end cornerback all these other positions that we'll talk about might be 25 percent of the cap hit too uh and they don't save the entire cap hit. if they cut them they save what is it 7.2 or 7.8 yeah. 7.5 million in dead yeah yeah so so they save 7.6 is is the net cap savings if they release them the the mixing thing man i mean we've talked about it a lot it's why I'm generally never going to be in favor of second contracts for running backs. He's one of uh, six running backs in the NFL. Sorry, one of seven running backs in the NFL on a multi-year deal who's making more than $10 million per year. The other three running backs in the NFL making more than $10 million this year. Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley. All of those guys are on the franchise tag. And of Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, and Aaron Jones, how many of those teams do you think are happy with those contracts right now? Two? Maybe three? Maybe the Vikings are still happy with Dalvin Cook. The 49ers mm-hmm. traded for Chris, Christian McCaffrey. They know what they were getting there, and the Browns are happy with Nick Chubb. The yeah. Titans Chubb's are trying a, to trade. Chubb's Derrick a great Henry. value, honestly. Yeah, the Titans are trying to trade Derrick Henry. Aaron Jones just took a pay cut. Alvin Kamara, I mean... You think cool. the Saints are happy with 15 million? I mean, Alvin Kamara is a great player. You think the Saints are happy with having Alvin Kamara for $15 million against their cap or no. uh, average per year? Because right he's not now? that anymore. He, he hasn't played like that. So, And the team isn't that anymore. Like you're just well, not. They, they where... think they are. They think they yeah. are. Well, that's a different That's problem. why they're in on Foster Moreau. They're like, hey, come win a Lombardi. They're we will have to Foster talk. Moreau. We will have to talk about Foster Moreau. Uh, on the Jonah Williams front, though, I, I think I also agree with you the other really challenging factor for the Bengals if they are trying to trade Jonah Williams is look around the NFL left tackles and try to find the landing spot that makes sense it's kind of challenging I mentioned the Bears last time we talked turned out they had a fifth round rookie left tackle who played really well for them last year so man wouldn't it be great to have a fifth round rookie left tackle come play really well um but but the Bears probably now it would not be uh, right tackle, yes. Left tackle, yeah. Right, no. right tackle, right tackle. Now I'm saying like historic, <laughs> like last year, no doubt. You have a fifth no round doubt. anything on your offensive line come in and be like, okay, this is our starter for the next four years. I guess they kind of got that in Cordell Volson, but they did. I mean, he has some room to grow. Anyway, point is, it's hard to find a landing spot for Jonah, in addition to some of the other complications. So like, 
like you talked about where the Bengals just value him and want to have him be their right tackle. So you got to find a trade partner. You got to have a replacement if you're the Bengals. So maybe it's a draft day trade or maybe it's a training camp trade. Maybe they feel good about someone else at right tackle. And at that point they say, Oh, somebody went down. Somebody needs a tackle. Somebody's going to trade us a player that we want or a pick that we want in the future for Jonah Williams. At that point, the cap space isn't very helpful um, unless it's a player for player trade. Restructure or not a restructure uh, that, that could help with like a team can help an extension yes and, and that's the thing with all of this stuff is there's no reason to make these moves if they're not going to use that money somewhere else i.e an extension or on one of these external free agents that we're about to talk about james including foster moreau to finish Ooh. the show here coming up next Today's show also brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And the tournament is heating up, which means it's the perfect time to download FanDuel. Did you see Xavier? Oh, you were scared a few days ago. Xavier making it to the Sweet 16. Shout out to them, the last Ohio team remaining. And new customers with FanDuel get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use and start wagering today. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at an even bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So maybe you're wanting to get in on some NBA action. Maybe you want to get in on some tournament action. You can do all of those things right now. Maybe you're looking ahead to the draft. You can do that as well with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. I've been home all day, James, on Sunday as we record this. We're recording this episode. It's currently about 6.40 Eastern time. So if the Bengals are going to make a move on Sunday, it's going to be in a few hours when either I leave or we're done recording. That has been their trend. And if that keeps up, uh, after about 9 p.m. Eastern on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday this week, those are are other opportunities for – the Bengals to go sign some guys, but let's talk about some of those guys still out there. James Foster Moreau had a visit, went down to New Orleans for a visit as well. Could talk about some running backs, could talk about some corners, mm-hmm. Eli Apple potentially. Where where do you want to start here? Probably on a tight end, I assume. Well, yeah, let's talk with let's talk about Foster Moreau because he was in town on Friday. And it's interesting because he visited Joe Burrow was was in New York, and they were teammates together at LSU. Not sure where Jamar Chase was. I'm assuming he wasn't at Paycor Stadium uh, giving you know, his spiel to Foster Moreau to come to Cincinnati. So interesting there. Maybe they've reached out since. But then he visited the Saints. And I just said the LSU connection. They're returning to, to Louisiana, reuniting with Derek Carr, who he was obviously a teammates with for four years in Las Vegas. I, I think it's – it's interesting that it, it might be down to these two teams. Maybe there's a sneaky third team in there. But to me, and maybe it's the, the orange and black glasses, if I'm a 25-year-old tight end, I know where I want to go. Now, that's if everything's equal. If the Saints are offering more, that was a hell of an environment <laughs> that, uh, that mm-hmm. they had at the Superdome. And, and I was like, man, that would be fun to play there, no doubt. So I, I think it's interesting, but... To me, this would be a, a huge get because it would, it would clear up, it, w- it would open up the draft for the Bengals because right now tight end is their biggest need. I, I, I guess right tackle, but they have Jonah Williams in there now, in, in their head. Who's their tight end? It's Devin Asiasi, who 
who all right so they had Seathan carter in for a visit as well that's a special teamer that's not going to make you feel good about tight end so to me getting a guy like moreau uh getting another veteran one of these other guys i know dalton schultz is still out there still feels unrealistic i'll mention him just because but getting a moreau could be a a, a long-term solution to one of those tight end spots i still think they would draft one regardless you know, Cameron Brake got released. Could they go after him? Nope. He's a stopgap. I, I, I don't want 32-year-old stopgap when you could get Foster Moreau, who could be good through age 28 and, and be good really for the, the rest of Orlando Brown's contract, essentially, just to give you an idea if you could sign him to three years or four years or something like that. And I think three would make sense for both sides. Maybe Dalton Schultz is in play. I, Maybe. I also doubt it. The Bengals seem to want to spend – less than $7 million per year on a free agent tight end, which you judge mostly off of Hayden Hurst leaving. Uh, maybe that was just a number they weren't comfortable with him. Maybe they were comfortable going $7 million somewhere else. They probably imagine that Foster Moreau is similar in price range to the Bengals as what they would feel comfortable paying to Hayden Hurst. Maybe a little bit more. He's a little bit younger. I think they would be more comfortable giving him Multi-years. Multiple years. Versus yes. years. Yeah. Yes. That that would make a lot of sense. If I'm the Bengals and I were giving Foster Moreau a contract offer, it would be probably a three-year deal. I mean, I think the players like three-year deals. You get three years. It gives you a little bit of security if you're the Bengals. Uh, was a guy that tested like a really good athlete. Not, we, we showed those athletic numbers for the safeties. Was the 94th percentile athlete by RES. Had really good jumps. 90th percentile vertical and broad jumps at the Combine. Uh, back in 2019, a 96th percentile short shuttle, an 87th percentile 40-yard dash. And he's really good after the catch. So that's where that agility shows up. That's where some of that speed shows up a little bit. Some of that strength shows up with Foster Moreau. I think that from a skill set perspective, he'd probably be better than the Bengals. And I DM'd you about this earlier today, James, so no surprise to you. I think he'd be better than the last two Bengals tight ends in terms of his ball skills downfield, his high point ability, his contested catch ability. I think that he's flash quite a bit of ability going above the rim to, to come down in, in those situations. And I think that he clearly has more after catch ability, not to take anything away from, from Hayden Hurst or from CJ Uzama, but Boston Moreau is a guy that even going back to LSU has been really good after the catch. And so really like those things in terms of a fit. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the money is really what it's coming down to here. It wouldn't be surprising at all. I, I think that both teams have a pretty equal appeal. You, you know, you either play with Joe Burrow and, and, you know, you have a better chance to win in Cincinnati, right. Or going home, playing mm -hmm. with your, your former quarterback, playing where you're from, playing where you played your college ball. Like those things are all huge draws for Foster Moreau from, from mm -hmm. a football perspective, you know, you would say it's probably an easy choice, but it's obviously never that simple when money and other social factors are involved, but it, it's a deal you would like to see work out. The tight end market is starting to, to kind of dwindle, but you never know. I mean, like we read in Paul Daner Jr.'s great piece over at the athletic.com about how the Orlando Brown deal came together. Joe Burrow's getting agents to call them Orlando Brown for, for what I've read it how I've read it, wanted to play with Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe that's the same for, same for Dalton Schultz, you know? I, I don't know. And sure. Especially at the tight end position where the last two guys to play tight end for Joe Burrow have gone on to make big money. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's, that's the part of it. If I'm, if I'm Dalton Schultz, I want the Bengals because I think I can cash in next year by showing having another good year and, and showing 
in playing deep into the postseason with the Bengals and then hitting the market when it's not the deepest tight end class in a decade. That's, that's the part of it. Right. And, uh, and so we'll see what happens, but uh, Moreau would make sense to me. And uh, this is when you need Joe Burrow to get out those crackers or cheeseburgers or whatever it is and, and see if he can get that deal done. A nice crawfish boil, Louisiana style. Well, I first off, sign me up for that. That sounds amazing right now. <laughs> uh, that, that said, yeah, whatever, whatever gets it done, get it done. Because I, I think that that would just stabilize that position. But there's, there's some uncertainty at running back. I wonder what they do there. You, you mentioned Daner's piece. He highlighted the the Samaj P. Ryan mm-hmm. part of things. They made him a strong offer, similar, maybe exact to, to what Denver offered him. And he decided to go to Denver for personal reasons. By the way, congrats to Samaj. He just had a uh, a baby girl, him and his wife. So maybe it's a family thing and, and wanting to get out west to that time zone. But uh, regardless, I think they're willing to spend at least something on a veteran running back. Did that go out the door with the Orlando Brown Jr. deal? Or mm. will they go after Damian Harris? Or will they go after you know, one of these other guys that are out there? Devin Singletary. You know, Devin Singletary is interesting, for sure. I, I mean, 25 years old. Could, could he give you 80% of what Mixon can? They still need to find the passing down back. Well, Devin Singletary, I think. Sure. And, and, and Well, yeah, he's not going to catch a bunch of passes. And that's that's the part of this. Can you rely on a rookie to do that? I don't know. All I know is this 12.7 is too much, but I already, I already gave my spiel on that. Um, the other one to watch is Eli Apple. Does he return his market? It, it's a weekend. Anytime the legal tampering period starts and it's a weekend and you're still out there as a free agent, that, that can't feel good. Unless you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you're a star and you're trying to pick out where you're going. Like Dalton Schultz is probably feeling pretty uneasy right now. And Foster Moreau, even with a couple of visits. And the other thing, even though he left Cincinnati Friday, that happened to Nick Scott. He left Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and Taylor Rapp came in for a visit, and they still signed Nick Scott. So it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And since I said that, by the time you see this, Fostimer will probably be a New Orleans thing. No, come on, James. <laughs> well, I just jinxed it. That's all. That's what I'm Putting saying. Putting that out into the world. There's still a lot of guys out there at corner, if we're talking about like that $2, 3000000 million range at corner. And I don't know what like Shaq Griffin's going to get after he was cut by the Jaguars coming off a $13 million deal. But he's out there as a street free agent. Ronald Darby's out there as a street free agent for like some some of the like the more veteran stopgap one-year deal kind of kind of candidates and along with Eli Apple. Um, Trey Flowers, of course, if the Bengals are interested in bringing him back, he's still available. He has not signed elsewhere yet. We haven't. Uh, haven't talked a whole lot about Trey Flowers and, and whether his role still exists with the Dax Hill future that, that we talked about a little bit earlier. And maybe there's a bigger role for Akeem Davis-Gaither and they bring Dax Hill down to to do the Trey Flowers job and they put, instead of Trey Flowers on the field for those snaps, maybe that's an Akeem Davis-Gaither role in in 2023. Who knows? Uh, another A number of other corners we could talk about. I'm not going to read a bunch of names. Rockyson is another name that really stands out to me. Uh, would be all a second team. contract. Yeah, all name team for sure. Um, Let's go. But watching running back for sure, watching cornerback. I don't know. Would they sign? Uh, would they sign Leonard Fournette for a, a million bucks? I wouldn't. I just, I just don't see the point. Like you could cut him in camp if it doesn't work out. I guess there's that. That would be the point. I, I just curious. Just wondering. I know he played through some injuries and stuff last year. It wasn't awful if you if you look at 
whatever you want to look at. I mean, it wasn't bad. Yeah. JD McKissick. That's a name we haven't talked about. He's hurt more than me and you, but yeah. I agree. I, I, pass down wise, when, he, when he's healthy, he can play. Yeah. I mean, he continues to take snaps away from Antonio Gibson, which was my the bane of my fantasy existence there for a while, back when I still played fantasy football. Well, and then Brian Robinson came along and said, I'm the right. captain now. That's right. So uh, I don't know if they're going to make a move at, at right tackle here with Cody Ford in the building, with them apparently willing to stick with Lyle Collins' recovery with Jonah Williams currently under contract. If Jonah's still on the team, I'm not expecting another move at right tackle in the imminent future here, James. But right tackle, something that I think is still worth kind of watching that market corner your boy your boy jermaine illuminor by the way went back to the raiders yeah i think he announced that like a few days ago he said something himself about him and uh who's the other tackle there colton miller Mm -hmm. him and colton miller being like the best tackle duo in the league this year or something he said that a few days ago so i was expecting them to announce that uh since then but uh he said that he's gotta be confident man colton miller is pretty good um okay Anyway, I mean, geez, oh, Pete. <laughs> right tackle, corner, running back, tight end, maybe in reverse order of priority. Maybe, maybe a defensive lineman. Maybe they're looking for a little bit more defensive line depth. Those, that's where we're watching. I can't wait for Juju Smith Schuster and Mike Gesicki to say they're the best one two combo in the league. Why does sure. tight end? Why Good not? God. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure that, that TikTok probably already exists, James. Let's be honest. You got a terrible gritty in the background while. Smith Schuster's dancing on some logo somewhere talking about how good he is. Anyway, let's get out of here before I don't like Juju Smith Schuster, man. We'll be back when the Bengals make their next move. And we continue to have you covered every day here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Until next time, hootay and have a good one.